0: To the colby daniels podcast presented by artisan botanicals in midwest city check out their line of natural medicine products including kratom cbd and delta 8 if you have any questions about these products don't hesitate to give them a call 405-458-9699 i'm a customer at artisan botanicals and i can tell you their customer service is exceptional not to mention we're saving you 15 percent off your online order with the discount code colby show just visit a botanical company com you can order online it's very efficient I was actually by there today they have a drive-through so you can order online go through the drive-through it takes two seconds you you give them your order they they give it to you through the window it's it's very fast and efficient so check them out a all right we're talking all NBA today with Aaron Davis Aaron Davis what's happening today what's on your mind
1: uh, not much just uh, enjoying this weather man it's nice it's uh sunny it's cool a little windy but it's all right still enjoying it and uh i don't know man just have this vibe that uh we're about to get some gnarly spring weather in oklahoma so i'm gonna enjoy that like uh that buffer period from when like winter really starts to die down to when spring starts to kick in we usually get about a month yeah you know maybe six weeks of like it's going to be in the sixties or seventies and it's just going to be some nice calm weather before it's it definitely crazy. not
0: six weeks. That's, that's a complete lie. So? No way. We get like, maybe we get a solid two weeks because then it's either, it goes from freezing cold to like blazing hot, or we have a transition with nothing but like hailstorms and tornadoes.
1: See, I, yeah,
0: I think, I think
1: it's, Gonna be one of those years where, and I have nothing to back this up. I know nothing about the weather. I just, it just feels. I think it's because last year there were no storms. Yeah, we had like one tornado warning in Oklahoma County for the entire year. Yeah, so it just feels like this year's just gonna make it. I mean, the winter's already been insane this year, so why wouldn't the spring be insane as well?
0: Yeah, I remember last spring saying. It really sucks being locked down, but can you imagine if we were having to deal with tornadoes every day and it was kind of a like we actually got a break, but I feel, I, I, I'm with you. I, I completely expect that this spring it's going to be complete chaos because why wouldn't yeah. it? Why why would right. why would they let us off this easy?
1: Right. COVID starts to kind of get under control a little bit and uh, here's just a tornado every other night.
0: Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I I actually even opened up the storm shelter yesterday. So,
1: I mean, it's, again, we're not meteorologists or anything, but, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you mean you have some close contact, you have an inside source to some, some weather news, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't have a tornado shelter in my house, so I'm a little, uh, not nervous, but yeah. like if, if it's that big, I need to, I need a plan in case it's a big one. And cause you know. If they get big enough. You, your house isn't going to help you. Well,
0: if you bring a couple chairs, then uh, you're welcome. But you'd probably need a place to sit. That's the only thing. Oh, so well, if you have like some lawn chairs, you know the foldable chairs, like you have a uh, yeah. couple of those. Yeah, yeah, we can
1: figure something out. Yeah, yeah. bring a bring a lazy boy or something.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a few of those down there, but uh, you know, not not enough for any extra. So if you bring your own chair, you'll probably be okay. okay. The, the one time I can, we I... had to go down there, it was raining so bad that the rain was coming through the little like air hole thing. Oof. And there was probably about like a quarter of an inch of water on the very bottom of it. That's, so you don't want to do you, wanna, you don't want to have to sit on the on the floor. No, I just opened the door and then it, it like just evaporated, you know, evaporated, like okay, the next day. Sense, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to enjoy the weather how it is now before uh I start to have to worry. I start to have to worry about that. So, yeah.
0: the spring before last, uh, like when the springtime kind of rolled around, and I opened it up, there were probably like fifty frogs living in there for a long time, like for a pretty decent period of time. I just left the door open, hoping they would leave, and because I don't want to go get in there and scoop them all up. But right. eventually, they all vacated the area. But yeah,
1: you probably used it that year too yes <laughs> that year was crazy. two years ago, yeah, it was yeah two years ago that was uh that was wild because that was I guess I've been here since 2013 since like late spring early summer 2013 and that was the first year where I had to like shelter in place or like I actually yeah. had to do something and I probably did it, like seven or eight times I had to do something so yeah that was uh that was quite a gnarly year so here's a uh, fingers crossed for a, for a calm spring
0: (laughs) yeah we we uh we were down there one night for like an hour maybe maybe a little longer than an hour but it sounded like bombs going off outside and that was when like a tornado was maybe like a mile from our house but we had like the the wind bursts that that Mm -hmm. were like you know whatever 100 miles an hour I don't know I'm just making that number up it could be wind
1: wind shear wind shares or something like that shears
0: yeah something like that yeah Uh, but yeah, anyway, it was, uh, it was pretty wild and it, again, it sounded like bombs going off and then when it all like calmed down and we like, you know, it's, it's like when you see a movie and somebody's like coming out of their, uh, like a war has happened, you know, and they're like coming out of their shelter and there's just like dead bodies everywhere. And that's like what it felt like. There were just branches everywhere and debris and it was crazy. No, nothing right, significant, man. just you know, it, it, you could tell obviously a massive storm had come through,
1: right? Yeah, so just enjoying this though. Um, sports starting to kick back up. Baseball spring training starting to kick in. Yeah, so uh, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. How about Texas? The... Aren't gonna do anything, but
0: no, no. Um, we don't have to talk about the the Rangers right now. Um, we, uh... <laughs> we. Talked a little bit about the NBA last week, and I, I think we're both on the same page with the All-Star game and even having it is kind of a stupid idea. Again, considering just the complete chaos that is the NBA season and how much these guys have to go through as far as daily testing. And, and it's it's just when you hear any NBA player talk about it, um, it kind of sounds like it's it's just a, a very exhausting process every single day. Um, but I got to ask you, I mean, in terms of even, even though – we don't necessarily agree with them having an all-star. I think we always debate whether they get it right when they name all-stars. What'd you think?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, there's the argument for Trey Young in the East being a reserve, which I I mean, Atlanta's, they're not good. I mean, they're 13 and 18 right now. They're out of the playoff race in the East, which is saying quite a bit. And, it, it, this is the same conversation you have every year with the NBA and the All-Star teams. Who are you going to take out? It's the same thing in the West. Like people are upset around here that Shea wasn't named an All-Star, but I mean, who who are you going to take out? Like, let me let's uh who are the reserves in the East There's James, so you're not taking Harden out in the backcourt. Um, you're not taking Ben Simmons out. Or that's the East. I'm stupid. I'm naming off the East players. <laughs>
0: You confused they, changed me so yeah. much.
1: they change teams so often, even though Ben's always been on the I news, know, but, right?
0: Uh... So the Western okay, so Conference not... reserves are Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis.
1: All right. who? You... One of those backcourt players, are you going to pre- take out Chris Paul, Damian Lillard? I, I guess Paul George is considered a backcourt player in this situation. Are you going to take any of those guys out for Shea on a team no. who is – and next to last in the West? No, absolutely 12 not. And 19. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's hard to argue. And I think that's the kind of thing that sucks with the NBA and the All-Star teams is there, there's so few spots that it's hard to get in there as a new player unless, you know, I mean, Julius Randle got in there, but if he yeah. would have been in the West, he would never even be considered as an All-Star Agreed. Uh, in the Western Conference. So, you know, you've got the same – 12 dudes that make it every year. And then you got like three spots that fluctuate and you might sneak in there, but you're competing with probably 10 or 15 guys to get those last three spots. And it's just I don't I mean it is what it is, so there's no point in getting upset about it because there's no there's no reasonable argument you can make to replace any guys on the All-Star team and say they're not deserving to be there. Like Zach Levine has been amazing this year. He's been really good. I know the Bulls are bad, but he has been really good, and in the Eastern Conference, he deserves a spot. Again, in the West, he's probably – there's it's going to be tough for him to get on there. I don't know if he – he might have you know numbers fat enough to get in the West, but probably not. He's probably not going to get in over a Paul George or a Damian Lillard. So it just kind of is what it is. Um, it's the luck of the draw in the conference you're in that year, but usually the East I feel like has more first-time uh, All-Stars. I, mean, I don't sure. think they to back that yeah, up. It's sure. just it, a vibe, you know if Vucevic is getting in and it kind of feels like it might be a little bit easier to be an all-star in the East, but
0: yeah. I mean, Vucevic it, is averaging like what 25 and 12 or 25 and 11. Yeah. I mean,
1: he's good. Yeah. He's a multi-time all-star at this point, but yeah. Orlando's terrible every year. Right. And he still gets in. So, you know, I mean, if, you know, Jokic played in the East, he wouldn't be there. Or if, Agreed. Uh, you know, Karl-Anthony Towns played in the East, as bad as Minnesota is, if they were an Eastern Conference team, he'd probably get in over Vucevic. Agreed. So it is it is what it is. I think the NBA All-Star game is, it could be fun. Last year was a lot of fun with the uh, uh, the format where they, you know, went to the point total instead of just played out the minutes and the quarters. Like, that was a lot of fun. Like, it actually worked out really well. It may not work out every year, but they they at least are aware that people find it to be pretty boring and they're trying to experiment and, you know, do different things. But I don't know. For some reason, it's just not the same. I remember being a kid and watching like Allen Iverson and then, you know Vince Carter and all those dudes in the All-Star game. And it, it seems to be a lot more fun and like have a little bit more weight to it. Yeah. Now, it just I don't, it just doesn't feel that way now, I guess, because we've had a decade of it just being a scrimmage.
0: Yeah, I I think as time has gone on, you know, every generation is going to feel like, you know, when they get past their generation, like the next one doesn't take it as serious. And the the generation you're talking about, I certainly felt like didn't take it as serious as, you know, the guys I grew up watching with, like, David Robinson and Carl Malone and Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan and, you know, Magic and that group. So... Um, but it's probably true, but, but you're right. I, I think that, it, you know, it's, it is a progression. And I think as time goes on, there's less value in it, especially as you get some of these guys that have been all-stars for like, you know, a decade. I mean, once you kind of get guys that have been there and done that, um, a whole bunch of times, uh, there's always kind of that, you know, changing of the guard in some of these all-star years where you start to see some new blood. And generally those guys that are kind of getting their opportunities for the first time turn it up a little bit more than the guys that have been doing the all-star game for eight or nine or 10 times. So, um, it's, it's cyclical somewhat, but, uh, yeah, I think the Western conference was exactly as I expected it. I, the only question I had was, would it be Chris Paul or Devin Booker as the sun's guard that got one of that, those spots? Uh, but as far as the prediction, I, I nailed exactly what it was going to be and, and I said it was, you know, that, that other guard spot was either going to be Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And they gave it to Chris Paul. I, I do think that Devin Booker potentially gets Anthony Davis's spot, um, when, you know, inevitably Anthony Davis doesn't play in the All Star game. But that was well, kind of a you no know, brainer were- that they were gonna name him just so he has the honor, even understanding that it's essentially allowing two guys to be considered all stars. Well, they had to replace him with a front court player though. I don't know. I, I don't know if they have to, I, I, you know, we, we watch all-star games so often and you can't really play two bigs most of the time uh, because I it mean, just gets physical, too cluttered. Yeah. So I, I think a guard would make more sense anyway, because I think generally you need as many uh, perimeter players as you can get because of the, the pace and just the way that it's played. So um, yeah, I, I think they go Devin Booker. Uh, maybe they'll go another direction, but You know, I had several people ask me last week, and then uh, Steely asked me on Monday on his show uh, whether or not Shea had a chance, and my immediate thought was there's zero chance. And I think after I thought about it a little longer, maybe there was a better chance than I gave him credit for, but in the end, I still thought there was next to no chance that Shea was going to be an All-Star again because who do you take out? There's not a spot where you can legitimately say that a guy on... One of the worst teams in the Western Conference is considerably better than a guy like Devin Booker who's on a you know number four in the West Phoenix Suns team
1: right and i I personally like and I, I think this is probably a, a common you know consensus that the NBA world has come to is Devin Booker probably deserved to get in over chris Paul um I, the difference though is the coaches make the decisions on the reserves right. and I mean, Chris Paul is – Chris Paul, like, I, I think five to six years ago, he was probably a little bit more of a controversial figure uh, about whether or not he was liked, but I think I think he's probably unanimously liked across the league at this point. Agreed. Um, I've heard people say that he's the best leader in the NBA right now. So it's not a shock that the coaches are going to bring him in and, like, you know, whether he deserves it or not, I mean, that – that's always a question. I mean, we've seen years where Yao Ming was a leading vote getter and he played two and a half quarters. Right. Like that was a fan vote, obviously, but still like there, your name recognition carries weight, whether it's the fans, the players, the coaches voting you win. Like it's the NBA is a legacy league for sure. But I mean, there, but there is, there's guys that I think the East is probably a little bit more easier to, uh, say that guys got snubbed. I personally would have put in bomb Bama out over Vucevic. um, I just think Bam's a better player. The teams are Agreed. pretty similar record-wise. Um, I, I just I think that Bam impacts the game for Miami a lot more. He's a lot more well-rounded and uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of a, like a poor man's Jokic, more athletic obviously, but just a well-balanced game. So I'd like to see him in there. It's so a bonus too, I think. Probably Dessert has an argument to get in. Trey does as well because you know there's players get in on bad teams in the East, but. At the end of the day, though, there's not really a strong argument you could make for anybody that made the All Star team, like I said, to not be there. Everybody has an argument to be there. So it's tough to say that one guy doesn't deserve to be there and another does.
0: I'm with you on BAM. I thought that if it were me, I think BAM is the better player. Um, You know, again, I think sometimes we look at numbers and evaluate, you know, one guy maybe scoring one more point per game than the other guy and maybe having one more rebound than the other guy. And, then you think well, well the numbers are on his side. I mean, Bam obviously impacts the game. Uh, I I think in a in a much greater way than Vucevic does. But again, understanding that Vucevic is like twenty four and eleven, that's you know that's not going to be ignored by the All Star committee. Uh, Julius Randle is absolutely deserving. I'm I'm not making the case that he's not. But I, I don't think Julius Randle's in this position if the Knicks aren't one of the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference right now. And you made the point about Sabonis. The Pacers are the number 4 team in the East. Sabonis is, what, 23 and, like, 12? I Sabonis has as good a case to be an all-star as, I think, anybody else in the East. And, you know, again, it's just there are so few spots that, and, and when you talk about frontcourt players, um, I, I just think that in the NBA, we're talking about generally there are maybe, like, 15 to 20 guys that are I think there's just a separation from like the top 15 to 20 guys to like those last few spots in the All Star game. When you get into like the you know from 20 to like 40, it all feels pretty interchangeable, right?
1: Yeah. So Sabonis, so uh, he's played in every game Indiana's played this year. Rounding his numbers up to you know the nearest yeah. whole number, he's got 22 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, and six assists a game. Yeah, and throwing a steal and a block, and like you said they're the fourth best team in the east 15 and 14 I mean they're not you know lighting the world on fire but they're still in the, they're the fourth best team in the east while you know Orlando's 13 and 19 uh I made the argument for Bam and you know they're 14 and 17 though in Miami they're not in the playoffs right now so there's like I I don't know, I am a little confused how do you leave Sabonis off um Yeah take it for what you will I mean depending on how you feel about his basketball opinion but Charles Barkley's very adamant about Sabonis being one of the 10 to 15 best players in the league right now, which, uh, you know, if I do my math right, he should be an all-star if he's one of the 15 best players in the league.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would rank him that high, but I, I would say this. I, I If if there are 12 Eastern Conference all-stars and 12 Western Conference all-stars, if if we're going top 24, I think Sabonis is absolutely top 24. He's,
1: yeah, he's 100% a top 24. And I don't know what it is. I mean, like, Indiana's good. I mean, people should be aware. Sabonis has been very good for a few years now, basically since he left Oklahoma city, he's been consistently playing at a high level and getting better each year. So yeah, I I guess if I looked at the East, if I really, if I looked at either team, I think Vucevic is probably the only one that I could make a good argument for taking off. But even him being there, like he's got good numbers.
0: Yeah. And
1: and there's not a lot of front court options.
0: Well, and, and then if you look at the front court situation in the East, the three front court guys coming off the bench are Jason Tatum, who's a three, Julius Randle, who's a four, and Vucevic, who's a five. So if if you're going to go like, who do you replace from a position standpoint, the only option is Julius Randle, who has similar numbers to Sabonis, and then I think he gets the the push over the top because the Knicks are playing as well as they are, right? Like, the Knicks right. have just been so bad for so long that the Knicks being elevated to, you know, even in playoff contention... I think puts Julius Randle maybe over the top. Whereas with the Pacers, they've kind of been in that four or five range in the East for a couple of years now. So I think the perception is while Sabonis is really good, he's not elevated his game past where it's been maybe in the last couple of years. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess there's an argument there, but I mean, it's not like Vujovic's numbers have gotten any better either. He's been consistent the last couple yeah. of years and he's not like, again, he's not bad. Like, I just think he he's a center, numbers, and they wanted to
0: take a backup center. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense if they're just trying to be a little bit more traditional with the positioning. But, I mean, I can't honestly, like, we're having this whole conversation. I can't believe they're even having an All-Star game. Like, what's the point? Right.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's. Uh, I don't players know. Players don't we, want, like... Nobody wants like, it. Players
1: don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know
0: what it is? And I think that you... I think that we were
1: both right about the all-star games being a little bit more competitive in the nineties and like early two thousands and those eras. I think it's because those dudes didn't go to all-star weekend and look at it as a recruiting weekend. Yeah. They went there thinking like, I want to prove that I'm better than these other dudes that are in my conference. Right. Like even yeah. my teammates, like I want to, I, if I'm Allen Iverson, I want to prove that I'm better than Vince Carter. And, cause, and I want teams to know that I'm the best player in the East. Like I want to stand out amongst these guys. Now it just kind of feels like they show up and, you know, they go to parties Friday and Saturday and it's all about recruiting. And then Sunday they're just kind of like doing whatever, like, oh, look, let's just play pickup basketball because the game isn't what matters to us. It's can I get this dude to join me next year in city A or city B or whatever. And I don't think that was the case back. I know, I know it wasn't the case in the Jordan era. Yeah. Like, Jordan wanted to go out there and prove that he was better than Reggie Miller and, you know, Patrick Ewing and uh, Barkley, whoever was on the West. Like he wanted to stand, those dudes wanted to compete and be better than the other guys. I just don't think, it's just not there with the All-Star game anymore.
0: Well, uh, let me add this to that equation because I think you're exactly right. But the one thing I would add that also validates your point, I think in that era you were talking about such, I don't want to say little access, but drastically less than we have now to the point that not all of those guys were getting regular TV time. The yep. entire basketball watching country wasn't seeing those guys play basically every time they they uh, stepped foot on the court. There weren't as many opportunities to be in a prime time, you know, best against the best scenario for every one of those guys. And so I think they valued Having that opportunity under a giant microscope with the entire country watching, to you know show everybody like what their skill set was and what they were capable of, especially guys. I, I, and I'm just using examples, you know, like a Clyde Drexler maybe in Portland. Like how many people were were had Portland Trailblazer games readily available to them? Um, yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I think that you're just talking about a bunch of guys, you know, the San Antonio Spurs back in the '90s, like before Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. I don't know that was David Robinson like featured every single weekend on, on NBA, on NBC, like, especially guaranteeing it's a good matchup. So right, I just think you had far less opportunities to really establish yourself as the best of the best. And you had to somewhat take advantage of those situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, 94 all-star game. So it would have been the first year that Jordan was uh, doing the baseball thing. The Eastern conference all-stars that year, just to go to your point, like these dudes weren't on a national scale like they are now. Scotty Pippen, obviously, uh, but Shaq, yeah, everybody knew who Shaq was. Shaq, by the way, was two of twelve in that game. Good lord! <laughs> uh, but anyways, the other three starters for the East: B.J. Armstrong, who I mean, plays for the Bulls, so people were aware of him. But yeah. he's was like the fifth best player, fourth best player on those Bulls teams in the first. You know, anyways. Starter, Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson were the other two starters for the East in wow, 94. I
0: remember that.
1: Which, then you look at the bench and you're like, okay, I don't what I don't know how they determine the voting. Patrick Ewing coming off the bench. Mark Price and John Sarks coming off the bench. Uh, Nick, Dominique Wilkins coming off the bench. Horace Grant, like, I don't, I don't know how Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson and B.J. Armstrong stuck into the starting five, but they're in the starting five yeah. and, like, you know, that, their opportunity to show up and be on a national stage and show that they need to be on that level with, you know, Scotty Pippen and, and Clyde Drexler and and Akeem Olajuwon and Sean Kip, like all those big-name dudes, like, to show that they're deserving to be on that level.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, – you just didn't have – I mean, every game you played wasn't readily available to to basically everybody in the country if they wanted to watch it. I mean, like, there's not a game – I don't have League Pass – but there's not a game that I can't find somewhere if I right. want to watch it. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that helps the internet helps that a lot. Right. For sure. Because, you know, if you didn't, you don't have the internet, you're not, you don't have any idea of how good De'Aaron Fox is probably. Right. Unless you know, you're just hearing about him on the radio or some, you know, panel show or, you know, inside the NBA or whatever. But, it is easier now to become acclimated. Like, I would say very comfortably, I think I said this last week, a casual NBA fan probably knows 90% of the players in the league.
0: A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, so,
1: I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, it just doesn't, it, whatever way you want to look at it, I don't think you can make an argument that the All-Star game holds the weight that it used to.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. The
1: coverage isn't even the same. No. I watched uh, I watched the, like, 95-96 All-Star game a couple weeks ago, whichever one they were in Phoenix, when they had those just god-awful jerseys with the cactus on them. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, like, full-on, like, NBC sent the house there. They had, yeah. like, it was, like, covered like a finals game. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal. And now it's just kind of like, eh, we might send, you know, inside the NBA to the game, but they might be – you know, in studio, like who knows? Right. And it's just, we'll, it'll, we'll throw it on Sunday on TNT on a cable network. It's not even on a cable channel, it's not even on network. So right. Just from every aspect, it's just, it's not as important as it used to be. Yeah. Well,
0: and, so, and, and again, it's just access. Like I, I remember watching those games and I remember watching that game and I was just totally thrilled to like see Mitch Richmond play. Right. Like, cause yeah. you never, you never saw Mitch Richmond play. And I, you know, I'm not saying he's like the greatest of all time, but in that era of the NBA, you were at the mercy of what the network was going to show you on their Which like is probably
1: a lot of Chicago, yeah,
0: on their game of the week, and you know yeah. more often than not that was probably like Bulls Knicks or uh, you know Celtics Lakers or I don't know I mean pick your pick your rivalry or whatever, but uh, yeah I mean it was just you weren't just going to get like Mitch Richmond and the Kings on, on uh, you know the noon basketball game on Saturday. Just, so you, you just didn't have access to a lot of those guys and especially uh, a lot of those guys against elite competition. So, um, yeah, it's a completely different world. And look, I, the game has changed so much. I was thinking about this last night because after the announcements of the, the All-Star teams, I saw a bunch of people complaining about how many snubs there were this year. And to your point about SGA, SGA with the numbers he has this year, like even 10 years ago, is guaranteed to be an all-star, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not even a, we don't even second guess it. SGA averaging 22, 6, and 5, and especially shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three, is an NBA all-star. Like it's it's a, it's a no-brainer. But when you start to look at what Basically, all the like top fifty players in the NBA are doing this year. I mean, is is his numbers good? Absolutely, but there are like twenty other guys that have similar numbers. That's the thing. It's the 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 player production now, and the way the game is played, has shot everybody's numbers through the roof. That you know, a guy that averaged twenty points a game ten years ago was an all star. I mean, that's why you see Trey Young right now as as a non all-star and I don't know the number on this, but I, I would guess that, I mean, I don't even know if there's ever been a guy that averaged more than 25 points that didn't make the all-star game. I can, I can't remember ever seeing a guy averaging more than 25 points a game that didn't make the all-star game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, 15 years ago and I, I know 15 years ago is probably not the best example. Cause it was kind of the dead era of the NBA where, you know, games were 78 to 75 <laughs> right. and like, you just couldn't get good offensive matches. But I feel like 25 years ago, I feel like if you were scoring 20 points a game, like that was the mark. That was like hitting 300. Yeah. Like that was the the line. If you got to that line, you knew that you had established yourself as a good player in the league. And like a a good to a really good player, to a great player. And yeah, now 20 points is thrown around just because they shoot so many threes. It's so much easier to score now. Yeah. And and to inflate those numbers and – you know, front court players don't really score that much anymore. They're basically like the Stephen Adams mold of front court players. You know, there's exceptions, obviously, with guys like uh, you know Embiid and Jokic and yeah. uh, Towns, who score a lot of points. But the front court guys just aren't there to score. It's the back. I mean, it's it's a guards league now. It's been a guards league for a few years, and it you know transitioned pretty quickly uh, from you know like the beginning of this decade until now. But yeah, I mean. I, I see like Dame dropping 30 a night and it's, it's just, I don't know. It just, I just don't feel like it should like blow me away as much as it should. I, I should be amazed that Damian Lillard or whoever could score 30 a game. Yeah, we, but we
0: just, we see it every night now. That's the right. thing. It's, you know, it's you become numb to it a lot. Like, you know, the triple double thing, like triple doubles don't wow us anymore. Like it, it used to be a big deal. Like I remember, like if a guy had a triple double, you just thought he was like, Even if he wasn't a good player, it was just like one of those things you would always remember, that game that he had a triple-double. And now it's just like it's so common that we just don't hold it in that regard because we've seen it so often. Um, I I was thinking about this uh, a couple days ago, and then last night when Trey Young didn't make it, I I started looking into it a little further. Ten years ago, just ten years ago, Kevin Durant led the NBA in scoring. His average was 27.7 points per game. Trey Young is not an all-star this year, and he's averaging 27 points a game. Yeah. Durant was There's the scoring uh, leader at 27.7.
1: There are 10 players in the league right now averaging at least 27 points a game. Yeah. And there are 34 averaging over 20.
2: Yeah. That's so insane. Scores league. I
1: mean, it's, it is absolutely a scorer's league right now. Especially if you're a backcourt player. Yeah. If you can shoot, if you can shoot the three, I mean you're it's you're gonna easily score twenty points a game. Because I mean think about it. You have to if you make four threes in a game, that's already twelve points right there. You, know, you haven't shot any free throws. Yeah. You haven't taken any layups. Like just off of four made shots, you've already got twelve points.
0: Yeah. I broke down the three lot. point shooting a little bit. Um over the I did ten years ago, I did five years ago, and then I did this season. So Just to start with the scoring part, so players averaging 20-plus points per game in the NBA. Ten years ago, there were 19. Five years ago, there were 20, so it was about even. This year, right now, there are 37, or at least yesterday when I looked, that may have changed. um, 37 players, almost double, averaging 20 points or more per game. So, I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a, it was pretty close from 10 years ago to five years ago, but then a massive spike this year. Players averaging 25 or more points per game. Ten years ago, seven. Five years ago, six. This year, 14. So, again, it doubles. So then I started looking at the shooting and the three-point shooting. So the amount of players that attempted five three-point attempts per game 10 years ago, do you want to guess what the number is? 10 years, 10 years ago, how many players in the NBA averaged five, three point attempts per game?
1: I would, it's got somewhere between like seven and 10, 12, 12. Okay.
0: There were 12 players in the NBA that averaged shooting five threes per game. I, and they were
1: just strict. Those dudes were strictly like, yeah, three it, point was, yeah it was, was, like, the catch sh- yeah, it was like JJ Redick.
0: Yeah. 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 You know how many there are this year? Uh, averaging five, you said? Averaging five three-point attempts per game. Uh, Eighty-three. Eighty-five. Yes, 85. Well, oh, yesterday, yesterday when I looked at it, there were eighty-five. So yeah, ten years right ago, now. there were twelve dudes that averaged five threes a game. This year, there are eighty-five. It's,
1: it, how did, do you think, do? You find the NBA boring now? Do you find the style of basketball boring? Because I'm getting to the point where it's just not as exciting. I think that when we, when I watched the Warriors, you know, five years ago, and I watched, they were like, that's the best shooting team. Like, if you think about the last year or the the Kevin Durant years, like the first year that Kevin Durant was there with Clay and Steph, probably the best shooting team ever. Yeah, ever. And I, I got the stat from Charles Barkley. He threw, his, he actually he had a stat. But there's, I think he said there's six teams in the NBA right now shooting more threes a game than the best three point shooting team ever.
0: Wow. Yeah, that makes, it makes sense. I mean, it's analytics. It, it, and especially when you look at how many guys like, have done nothing but learn how to shoot because that's their, their path to make teams. Um, here's another stat for you. Ten years ago, or even five years ago, five years ago, there were only 17 players in the entire NBA that shot 40% or better from three. As of yesterday, there are 54 players in the NBA that shoot 40% or better. It's insane. That is insane.
1: Like, it's easy to take the threes, but, I mean, it's insane that there's that many players shooting over 40%.
0: Yeah, 54 players shooting over 40%. So, that also, remember, like, that used to be the magic number. Like, if you shot 40%, you, oh, were, you were a sniper. Like, you were the best three-point shooter in the league if you were over 40%. Now... No. I mean, that makes you a good shooter, but we have to start talking about being at 50% to be a sniper, right? Like, to be the very best, you got to be at, like, 50.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe Harris, right? There are three players, I guess four. We'll call it four players. No, three. There are three. Three players shooting over 50% from three right now, and uh, I, I don't even know if you... One of, one of them is Bobby Portis, so you can't even count. He's taking he's one for two a game. Yeah, But Joe Harris is...
0: He's, 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 shooting three three seven, yeah, he's shooting almost seven. Yeah, he's shooting almost seven
1: a game. Yeah, he's shooting fifty percent, and and that's an extreme example, I think, because of the team he plays on. That there's no reason he shouldn't get five open threes every game, right? Playing with you know Kyrie, and and that's another you know, and it definitely I think that helps too that you get these guys that are three point specialists like Joe Harris and like JJ Reddick playing on these super teams, where. They're the fourth or fifth option at any point on the floor, and they're dead eye shooters, and they're going to be wide open. Well, meanwhile, 10 years ago, you know, if Joe Harris was on a team, he's probably playing on a team with, I don't know, let's say he's in Cleveland with LeBron. The defense is going to key on LeBron, but he's going to be the second guy when they're on off. Like, he's not going to get open shots like that. And I think that was part of the reason that, like, Golden State was so hard to stop at that time is because most teams just didn't have three guys or two guys at that point early when it was just Clay and Steph, they could just be dead-eye shooters. And now, I mean, every team's got three or five, three to five dead-eye shooters. Hell, Seth Curry's the best three-point shooter of all time, and he's playing Philadelphia. Yep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, better than his brother, for sure. Yep. Uh, Paul George is shooting 48%, 48 48.6% from three, averaging 7.7 attempts per game. That's insane for a guy that is obviously in the game plan every time you play the Clippers as one of the two guys you have to stop.
1: Looking at his uh, career three point percentages. So I I don't know what's going on. It it also feels like this year, I don't know if it's because they didn't really have a, like an off season. Like it was just kind of the season ended and you go straight back into training camp in the season. But it, it feels like this year, the numbers are all inflated a little bit scoring wise. I don't know if players just aren't playing defense as hard because they just, their bodies can't, they can't do it. Right I feel now like that's a big a part of
0: it. And, and, you know, I, I've admitted multiple times that I've not watched a ton of NBA this season, but every time I watch it, I do feel like the defense is just almost non existent.
1: Yeah. It, it deep, it, I, I, obviously, I mean, I've never played basketball at a high level. Hell, I've never played basketball in front of more than the 10 people playing in the game that I was playing in. But defense does kind of feel like you feed off the crowd a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. To pick up your defensive intensity. So, because I'm looking at Paul George's career three-point percentage. His high before this year was 41%. That was last year on the Clippers. The year that he was an MVP candidate in Oklahoma City, he shot 38%. Yeah. Like, it's not like he was even shooting for – 10%. He has increased his
0: three-point percentage output by 10%. Yeah. Yeah. In the matter of a year and a half, and well, and again, he's not just taking spot up threes either. No, he shoots a lot off the dribble. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like when I watch NBA games, nobody closes out on shooters.
1: Well, yeah. I mean it's,
0: I mean, I mean unless though, you like, unless you see like a Lou Do- Lou Dort might might like you know, run down a shooter the, or
1: yeah, there's the defensive try hard. The, yeah. The, are, the guys yeah. that
0: are defensive players do, but nobody else is, is going out of their way to make an extra effort to rotate over to a shooter.
1: Yeah. I I'm really, I mean, I'm really curious when fans come back, whether it's this season or next season or when whenever I, I am curious to see if these, these offensive numbers drop because 53 players or whatever it was shooting over 40% is insane.
0: Well, and it's also, you're, you're, you know, nobody's playing road games, essentially. I mean, for as much as people want to shoot down the idea of how much like an opposing crowd and all of that plays for role players, like it's, you know, NBA players talk about it all the time. And when you don't have an entire arena of people like booing you every time you're trying to shoot a ball, I mean, I'm not saying that it makes a massive difference, but it's just one more piece of the puzzle, I think, that, that points toward all these better numbers.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. It, trying to, uh, let's see. Okay. I wanted to see if Steph was shooting over 40%. He is shooting over 40%. I think he's at
0: 43.
1: Tw- yeah, 43. He's shooting 12 threes a game. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. He's, uh yeah. I think uh, if I had to vote right now, I think that uh, it, there's no way he's going to win because Golden State's not going to be a top four team in the West. But I I think Steph's the MVP right now for this season. You think but, so? Yeah. I,
0: who else is on that team? I mean. Yeah, they're they're rough. I mean, I don't know. I feel like every Wiggins will show up occasionally and have good games. Same thing with Kelly Oubre. Like, like they, they're not consistent, but. They'll randomly like show up with a big game, uh, but yeah, it's
1: Steph is carrying that team on his back, and the fact that they're seventeen and fifteen in the West is pretty damn impressive in yeah. my opinion.
0: I this and is he... probably the best. I mean, again, when you start looking at the numbers and and obviously understanding that across the board everybody's numbers are inflated, but like when you start having the MVP conversation and you're basing it on what guys are doing statistically. Steph Curry's averaging 30 a game, uh, shooting, what, 43% from three. On 12 a game. Yeah. Embiid's 29.8 points per game, 11.3 rebounds. Um, Jokic has to be in the conversation, 27 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game, 8.4 assists per game. LeBron obviously is in the conversation, um, and some would even say he's leading uh, the MVP race right now, 25.8 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, 8.1 assists. Luka, uh, you know, their team's not in the playoffs, so he's not getting any consideration, I don't think. But from a number standpoint, 28.9 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 9.2 assists. I mean, you, could, you can all, always throw Giannis in that conversation, although I don't think he has any chance. You know, he's the two-time winner so that that almost automatically disqualifies you unless you just completely supersede what you did the year before um isn't that weird how you're almost like competing against yourself when you're a winner like you almost have to just completely outdo what you did the previous season to to really get consideration
1: yeah i i think too i think that yannis i don't know i i kind of thought i had a little bit of a issue i guess last year with him winning it but again he he did improve from his first mvp year to last year but i think he's gotten to the point where i mean he's gonna have to put up ungodly numbers at this point to win the mvp right. because he's he really hasn't improved his game that much over the last couple of years right uh it, 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 everything's essentially the same they play him the same the defenses figure him out in the playoffs like we, we've been through all that but I personally think that it's probably a three guy, three player race right now. I think it's probably, I like to throw Steph in there, but again, I don't think he really has a chance because Golden State's not going to finish high up in the standings. I think Embiid is probably within a comfortable lead right now, and then Kevin Durant is uh, back there. But I think that bringing in James Harden yeah. definitely puts a big damper on him winning. Is uh, Lillard? In the,
0: Lillard, I think, has to be in the conversation. Yeah,
1: twenty nine point yeah, mean, six it's, it's, it's,
0: points, eight assists, four point four rebounds. He's shooting what thirty eight percent from three on ten point nine attempts per game. Uh, they're
1: eighteen and thirteen too. They're good. I mean, they're yeah. they've got a good record right
0: now. They they have yeah, a good yeah. record and I think CJ McCollum's played like thirteen games 13 this year, games. twelve games, yep. something like that.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh yeah, and Dame. I mean, the fact that Dame's averaging eight assists too. I mean, that's yeah. He's he's scoring thirty a game and still getting eight assists. And I haven't watched a lot of Portland games. I've watched you know maybe a few quarters of, of them this year, but uh, I need to watch a little bit more to see if those are if that's a Russell Westbrook esque eight assists or like a legit eight assist a game. I would imagine there's probably a lot of kickouts to three point shooters. Yeah, but.
0: it's. Uh, I watched them last night actually against um, who they played Denver. Yeah, Denver. Because uh, yeah. down the stretch, it was like it was uh, Dame and Jamal Murray just going there. I mean, there was a stretch where each of them was just hitting every shot consecutively for like five minutes, which was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, like Gary Trent or Carmelo Anthony kickouts.
1: Which I mean, you know, it's not like he's kicking it out to. Uh, I was going to say it's not like he's kicking it out to snipers, but that's all yeah. the NBA is not snipers. Uh, by the way, I, I don't think he's going to win it this year. I think he should win an MVP at some point. Uh, Jokic right now is sixth in the league in assists at uh, 8.4. Yeah. The most assist ever in a s- season by a center is 8.6 by Wilt Chamberlain in like 67 to 68. So Jokic easily – could set the record for most assists in a season by a center.
0: Well, that's not very impressive, five. Aaron. Isn't Will Chamberlain the most overrated player ever? No, I did not I never <laughs>
1: said he was the most overrated player. I never said that he look, I do I, I think that I will never put him in my top ten. Okay. I just I think that i d I'm gonna put I'm gonna take in to account competition. Fair enough. And Will Chamberlain was just it's like It's like putting Barry Bonds or Mike Trout in the in 1915 Major League Baseball. Like sometimes there's just such an advantage that one guy has over the competition that I'm gonna I have to dock. it. Is Babe Ruth a top
0: 10 baseball player? I think
1: so. Baseball hasn't changed that much though. It's a bad example. I'm kind of like Like, the year that Babe
0: Ruth hit 60 home runs. The next guy hit like 20,
1: 10, yeah, or
0: something. Yeah, something ridiculous. Which is my. Which is my point. Babe Ruth is
1: absolutely a top 10 player, but if you put Mike Trout back there, he's going to dominate just like, I mean, he's going to be at that Babe Ruth level because the rest of the league, yeah, I think Babe Ruth is a a fair comparison, but baseball is a little bit less indicative on just like size, I guess. More about skill
0: than, yeah. Yeah.
1: So like Will Chamberlain being, you know, eight inches taller than the rest of the league. (laughs) Putting up insane numbers is awesome. He's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's a top – I would put him in my top 15. I just can't put him in my top 10 because yeah. – I mean, I, how can I put him in over a guy like Hakeem who played in an era where there were great centers every night that he was matching up with? But meanwhile, Wilt Chamberlain sees – he's not even seeing Kareem because at the, I would say at the point that Kareem came in the league, Wilt was probably on his way out. Bill Russell was probably the only other center in the league on a regular basis that yeah. was on the same level as Chamberlain. And it's just not, I just got to dock him for it. It's just in my personal opinion, I got to dock him for it because Chamberlain is a, he's a numbers guy.
0: Yeah, I get it.
1: I get it. He's a guy that everybody puts in there because of his numbers. And his numbers are insane. But yeah, they're not, that, one that's title. the thing
0: though. They're not just a little bit better. No, like the no, dude had like, was averaging they're... like 50 points a game for seasons. Okay, let me ask you this.
1: I mean, for my argument of Wilt Chamberlain not being a top 10 player,
0: he averages
1: 50 rebounds a game and like 70 points a game. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but insane numbers. Yeah. Only wins two titles. Yeah. Bill Russell, meanwhile, won like 30.
0: Yeah. On better teams, obviously, but like. I mean, every one of Bill Russell's teammates is in the Hall of Fame. I think I'm like. Well, I say that like. Eighty or ninety percent of them.
1: It does help. It does yeah. help that the Celtics were yeah. by far the best team in that era. But oh man, he's not my top ten. He's just I can't put him my top ten. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's all right. I, I, now, I, if we're talking about uh, you know men that I look up to, definitely my top ten. Oh I,
0: yeah, for sure. For sure. I I actually was scrolling. Uh, what was I? I was I was on the internet the other day and like. Out of nowhere, there was a Wilt Chamberlain interview on Conan, like back in the early days of Conan. And uh, they were talking about the like, whatever number it was, 20,000 or whatnot. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, good Lord, man. I don't, how, how's that even possible? I don't even know how, how that's even obtainable, but. I just, I mean. I, yeah, it's. At some point, you got to have another hobby, I would think. Yeah. But I guess not. I mean, he, he likes big numbers. He does. He puts out, he's like, he's a stats guy. <laughs> yeah, He's a stats guy. Without a doubt. It may not be, a lot,
1: Look, there may not you, be championship
0: scoring, championships in there, but, uh, big numbers.
1: If you're scoring 20,000 times, they're not all going to be flashy, posterizing dunks. Some of them are going to be like, like gross little tip-ins, you yeah. know? Yeah. Not always going to be a highlight play if you're scoring 20,000 times.
0: Do you think that uh, LeBron James is legitimately going to get the MVP this year?
1: No. I I, 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 I don't know. I guess I, I do get the sentiment. I have heard the argument that LeBron deserves the MVP, but I, it's, I, it's not like he's doing anything different than he's done the past 10 years. I think it's just gotten to the point where – we look at the fact that he's, what, 36 years old, and he's still doing it, and yeah. now we're impressed by that, but right. we weren't impressed by it when he was doing when he was 34 or 35, so yeah. I, I don't think that there's going to be enough voters that are going to be legitimately impressed by the fact that he's still doing this at 36 to vote for him to win. He'll probably finish in the top three or top four, but...
0: Everything you just said is totally correct, but it's also what's wrong with the system. Right, it's why Michael Jordan didn't win every year. It's why LeBron James hasn't won every year. It's why, you know, when you look at at like Kobe Bryant, there were years that obviously he sh- probably should have been the MVP but didn't get the MVP. For some weird reason, with MVPs, like just using LeBron as an example, he has this season where he scores like thirty points and and goes like eight and seven, and so that's like in our minds. That's like the standard. And then the next year, even if he does the exact same thing, if it's not better than what we expect, then we don't reward him for having, even though it might still be the best season in the NBA, we don't reward him because he didn't supersede the expectation that we had coming into the year. Whereas if the next best guy we, we expected less from, but maybe does equal to LeBron James, then we're like, well, he was way better than we thought he was going to be. So he deserves the MVP. It's a narrative thing. Yeah.
1: I don't know that the NFL is as bad as this, and the MLB is definitely not. I think the MLB is probably the best at just letting, like putting that season in a vacuum and picking the best players from that season yeah. and not really accounting. I mean, Jose Abreu won the MVP this past year in the American League. Like, they, they are very good about voting for guys in a vacuum just based on their performance in the, that one season. The NBA, though is absolutely narrative driven. I mean we kind of just it's a lot like the Heisman. You kind of just pick a guy and like you're going to make excuses for that guy through the entire year. And yep. As long as he's good, yeah. as good as you expect him to be, you're going to vote for him. I mean And then once grows, you win,
0: gonna... once you become a winner, you have to supersede what you've done before right. for to, to like elevate to that next level or we're looking for the next guy in line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Giannis literally had to. He improved on his first MVP season. It was incredible last year statistically, and he won the MVP. Yeah, and now it's gotten to a point where, like we said a few minutes ago, he's not even he in the conversation. Gonna, right, he's he's going to have to put up the most ungodly. He's going to have to average forty a game. He's yeah. going to have to average forty and fifteen a game to be in the conversation anymore because we've seen it. Like they they've done it, and I I think that's the thing that LeBron has on his side at this point in this year at 36 is he's got the, the age thing as a narrative factor for people to get on his side again. When meanwhile, like we said, he's putting up the same number five years ago, but nobody cared because he wasn't at, like he wasn't an old man anymore or whatever, yeah. despite him being clearly the best player in the league. And I, I, I think that, I think that's why Dame and Luca are going to be in the conversation all year, because those were the two guys before the season that kind of had the narrative factor with them going into the year. Like it was kind of their turn right. to win the MVP.
0: I don't, um, I don't think Luca has any chance. I mean, his team's not even in the playoffs, yeah. and it took too bad. I mean, remember when Russell Westbrook won it? I mean, the guy was going to do something that we had never seen done in our lifetime, and there was still a There's massive no divide as, as to whether or not he should no. win it because his team wasn't good enough, and they were what the fifth seed,
1: fourth seed, or sixth? Was it sixth? They, yeah, they won forty. I think they won forty-five games that year. Yeah, fifth or sixth. They uh, I know they didn't have home court in the yeah. first round against Houston, but. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Luke is probably not in the the conversation because it's, he's probably not going to win, rather because his team's not good enough. But I guarantee you, there are people out there that were dead set on him being the MVP this year. There are still because he's putting up numbers. Yeah, he's like individually, he's as good as everybody expected him to be this year. Yeah, that he's still going to get a lot of votes. He's probably going to have a top five, top four finish, but. He shouldn't. I mean his team's so bad. They shouldn't. Dallas is one of the biggest disappointments for to me in the Agreed. NBA. They are so bad at doing the one thing that everybody in the NBA can do. They cannot shoot threes at all to save their lives. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I think I, I think the embiid is kind of like he's the guy that a lot of people are waiting for him to make that leap to be an MVP. And he's doing it this year. So there's a lot of people that are gonna
0: And the team's success. Yeah.
1: And the team's the best team in the East. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging thirty a game. He's averaging 30, 11, and three. Yeah, shooting forty percent from three. And I know he's shooting fewer threes this year. He's getting on the post a lot more, but still, I mean, still forty. Yeah, still forty percent yeah. three. His PER is thirty. Just to give you a comparison, LeBron's PER is twenty three point six. Embiid's is thirty point eight. Yeah, like he's. It's it's hard for me to see a, a world where, as long as everything stays the same, that Embiid doesn't win the MVP this year, which. I mean, when's the last like true center to win the MVP in this league? Shaq. Uh, yeah, I mean that sounds right. D-
0: Dwight Howard never won one, right? I mean, because we had a long period. No, there. he did. I think Ho-
1: Howard did win an MVP in like oh did he? eight. I want to say.
0: I didn't think he ever. you oh, right. An no, MVP. he didn't. He
1: never did. Okay. He never won an MVP. I thought he did. Uh, yeah, let's see. So.
0: Yeah, I think Shaq's the last one that I can remember
1: the true center Shaq in 99 2000 season was the last true center to win the MVP. So yeah. we're going back 20 years, 21 years yeah. since a center has won the MVP. There's been a couple of power forwards sprinkled in there, but I mean, you can there's no argument to be made that that Dirk or Giannis are centers. Right. Like true centers.
0: Yeah. Uh and and look, you, if if the Nuggets were better than they are, I, I, Jokic is probably right there with Embiid. It's probably I think one it and two. Be.
1: Yeah, and again, I said, like I said, I think the, I think that Jokic is going to win MVP at some point because there's going to be a point where the guys that are above him on the pecking order of like it's their turn, they're going to win their MVP, and then it's going to be Jokic's turn, and he's going to be great, and people are going to finally get vote for him. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could easily make an argument that Jokic is probably a top five player in the league. Yeah. But again, Denver's not playing where they should, and much like the argument we had earlier. Denver's one of those teams where just, I, I don't think a lot of people watch Denver games.
0: Yeah, and, well, and look, I, I think that two years in a row, they overachieved. And, you know, I think finally the expectations may have caught up with, you know, what they've accomplished the last two seasons. And then they get into this year and they're like number seven in the West. So there's yeah. a level of disappointment. Um, and and look, I think there's also you know this. There's something to be said every single year in the NBA for the haves and the have-nots. And I think Denver over the last two years has become a have, and you just don't see them playing as hard every single night to prove themselves this year as you have in the past. And I mean, this is it's we see this every single season. Uh, you know, like the Utah Jazz, for example, are a team that is a have-not, right? And they're playing their asses off every single night. Uh, this is why, you know, you see the young teams and why people got so fed up with the Thunder. For a long time, the Thunder had something to prove. They were a have-not. And when they became established, people started complaining that they weren't playing as hard every single night as they did in the early days, right? I mean, it's that's what the NBA is. Young players and guys that are unproven are going to give more throughout the course of the 82-game regular season.
1: Yeah. which is ironic because they do that and then they get to the playoffs and they're dead. Yeah. And those teams that kind of like walk through the regular season, turn it on in the playoffs. And it's the same teams every year. I mean,
0: yeah, I'm like, I I totally like, I watched the nuggets and especially last night I was watching that nuggets Blazers game and like Jamal Murray's having an okay season. Remember how good he was in the postseason last year. Like I was like, this dude's a top 20 player in the NBA. Yeah. And he's having just an average season, but like last night they got to like the fourth quarter and down the stretch and immediately it was like, it was a different player. Like, I think he realizes like, I don't need to do this for 48 minutes every night for 82 games before we get to the real tournament. But like last night he was just kind of like a dude that was out there. And then when the game was on the line, you saw like Jamal Murray become Jamal Murray and it was a completely different player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Going up against Dame, like, some dudes just have that switch, yeah. man. Like, some guys can just turn it on when they need to turn it on or, like, you know, just Damian Lillard being on the other side is enough to motivate Jamal Murray to, like, flip that switch and start, you know, playing his ass off late in the game. But, yeah, Jokic is just tw- – it's averaging 27-11-8 yeah. and then two steals in a block a game. Yeah. It's- This is insane. He also leads the NBA in P and PER. So uh, he's just,
0: it's funny because I think you can make the argument that there are two centers in the NBA that are maybe the, the having the best seasons and they're completely different guys.
1: Yeah. Completely different games. I mean, Jokic is, I mean, he's essentially a point center, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've thought about this a couple of times. Like, I'm trying to think of other like centers that just facilitated as well as Jokic does.
0: Sabonis did.
1: I feel like, but I mean, he had a flash in a pan. But in he, the NBA, yeah, too. I mean, well, he
0: he didn't get to the NBA until he was, so he was like on 50, the back yeah. end of his career, and but but and and also they didn't run the offense through him. I mean, he was a great passer, but he wasn't playing the role that Jokic is playing, where they're they're yeah. featuring him in the offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh Bill Simmons does this thing where he does like the NBA unicorns, like one of ones and like he, I think he said it and I, it's hard not to agree that Jokic is like, we have never seen a player like Nikola Jokic before. Yeah. And we may never see a guy like Nikola. We may never see a seven foot guy that plays a style of basketball that he plays at that level.
0: Yeah. And, and look, every time I watch him, I'm like, this dude just doesn't even seem very athletic. He's not. I, right. He's just – yeah. <laughs> he's not fast. He doesn't – doesn't jump. He's, yeah. yeah. He's just – I don't know, man. He doesn't really
1: dunk the ball ever. Even if he's like under the basket, he yeah. doesn't really dunk the ball. Yeah. He's just one of those rare cases where – and I think Luka's like this to an example, and I, I don't I, – I I don't think it's intentional that it's the two like European <laughs> white dudes that – Right. But – where their skill levels are just so other world worldly, worldly yeah. yeah that their lack of athleticism just doesn't matter they can still dominate in a basketball game with some of the best athletes in the world and yeah it's crazy man i jokic is one of my fa- he's been one of my favorite players to watch for a few years now just because i mean we've never seen anything like it before
0: it's also funny to watch him play the way that he plays and then realize he's only twenty six years old.
1: And he's been good for like four years. Right, he and didn't... I
0: would and the same thing about Luca, like Luka obviously is more athletic than than Jokic, but like when you watch Luca play, he looks like a guy that's played in the NBA for like twelve years and is sometimes like labored and he's twenty one years old. It's crazy. But he's still I mean he, you know, dominates people. I'm not the game. Yeah, the skill set from both of those guys is just completely absurd. Um, I I heard this mentioned, um, I don't know if it was on TNT or maybe something else that I was watching, but uh, I heard it mentioned that LeBron James wants to win the MVP so bad that for the first time ever, he's not load managing and it's, it's starting to impact his play on a nightly basis.
1: Why does he want to win the MVP? I don't understand the motivation. For LeBron to want to win the MVP, what, what is it? First off, if he's going to win the MVP. He's got to shoot better than thirty-five percent from three, because like we just discussed, there's fifty players shooting forty percent. He's going to have to bump that up a little bit.
0: He's he said it, that he he's felt disrespected by not winning it. We should. He's the best player, yeah. but like he, he should
1: also know that it's kind of how the system works. You know what I mean? Like he's won four MVPs. He, he, Yes, he probably should have won like seven or eight at this point. But what does it matter? Like, nobody, look, his whole argument about him not being on the same level with Michael Jordan has nothing to do with MVPs. Nobody cares about the MVPs when they make the argument for who the greatest yeah. player of all time is. Agreed. Championships. It's the only thing anybody cares about when they have that conversation with, with basketball players.
0: I think he. It's titles. I think ultimately he just wants as much firepower as he can possibly get for when the day comes that he calls it quits and you start comparing the resumes. Yeah. But uh, how many Jordan won five, right? Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. And also it could have been eight or nine. I mean, it was right. Like Carl Malone winning over Michael Jordan, uh, Charles Barkley winning over Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, I I know
1: that Mike, Michael talked about on the last dance pod. uh, Podcast, the documentary that he yeah. he he was upset that carl malone won that MVP, <laughs> yeah. which I think that but I, I think Barkley's a tougher case because Barkley just but was just so dominant that year in great. Phoenix. Yeah. And like it was his team. You could argue that Carl Malone was only putting the numbers up because of John Stockton. Like there's a lot I mean I, I don't know how that's a controversial like argument, but there's a lot of people that think that Carl Malone was yeah. just like the second part of the pick and roll, great pick and roll combo, and without John Stockton, he would never. Whatever doesn't matter.
0: That's I mean but, that's why they shared an All Star MVP, right? Right, exactly. Co MVPs, right. John Stockton and Karl Malone.
1: Just exactly. That's oh, just brings a tear to your heart, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess LeBron wants to get that fifth MVP so that him and Michael have the same. But it doesn't matter. He's already he already lost the argument because he, he he's lost like with three or four finals. And even if you make the argument he drugged some terrible teams there, everybody's going to make the argument that Jordan never lost in the finals. And it's there's nothing that LeBron can do at this point to overcome it unless he wins like nine finals.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it would take for... I, we talked about oh, this, anything. I think, last week, actually. Like, yeah, there, we there's just a, lot, a difference yeah. in watching Jordan during his best years and just without a shadow of a doubt, believing that he was going to, to be the best player out there and win no matter what the obstacles were. And I just, I, mean, I never had that with LeBron.
1: Right. If we were talking about baseball, like the numbers would be the most important thing. But in basketball, stats just don't really matter as much as winning. Like, Karl Malone is the second all-time leading scorer, right? Right. Nobody even, he's not even in anybody's top 10. Yeah. I don't know if he's in anybody's top 15 all-time. He's the second leading scorer ever of all time. It's just, I mean, it's long. It's just, how long can you play? If Jordan wouldn't have played baseball, you, he probably would be the all time leading scorer.
0: Well, he probably wins eight in a row. Right. Exactly. So it's this, the numbers don't matter. It's just about,
1: it's the best basketball is about winning. And it's about kind of like the, uh, it's, it's like legacy, I guess it's like, the aura of watching a guy play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares about numbers. Yeah. Because nobody cared that Carl Malone would, you know, pick and roll to the basket and dunk the ball or, you know, do a little pick and pop 15 footer and score 30 a game. Nobody cared because it didn't excite anybody.
0: I think we care about numbers when the numbers are pertaining to something that we've not seen and that's never been done before, right? Like, yeah. If if you're yeah if you're gonna average a triple double for the first time in in our lifetime, uh, and the first time in what whatever it had been fifty years sixty years, uh, then you know that people care. But once it's done, people have seen it and no longer care about those numbers. Remember when Harden was averaging like thirty six or thirty seven a game? Mm-hmm. Again, Bradley Beal's having an amazing season, but Bradley Beal's not pushing the point of is he going to do something that we've not seen in our lifetime? You know what right. I mean? So. There's a there's a fine line where the numbers really matter versus not matter, and anytime you start getting on that doorstep of putting up numbers that are new to what we've seen, then they become incredibly important.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the uh, like Steph Curry making what he made like 400 threes in one season. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Everybody was losing their mind that he was he made he was making so many threes that year. And now it's just, it's become commonplace. I mean, it's yeah. not common. Like, it's still, not not everybody's making 400 a year, but we just don't care. Yeah. Like, who cares? It's not new. So, like, are you winning? Are you fun to watch? Then we love you. Right. Um, the numbers are fun, but yeah. So.
0: Well, and, and you know, again, when you look at numbers being so inflated in 2021, uh, we just went over, you know, a bunch of the stats. How, like, there are double the amount of 20 20- point scores per game now than there were five years ago. Like the, the game, the pace of the game is so much faster. There are more possessions. There are more three-point attempts. Like it's just, it's, it's a completely different game. So the numbers in some way, like you can't even like translate them to like even, you know, the game 10 years ago, much less like when you start having the Michael Jordan era conversations or even Magic and Bird. Like it's it's wild how quickly the game has changed from a numbers standpoint to where it's just like, and and I think you add to that, Aaron, like I I mentioned this. I, I've not watched a ton of NBA games, but every time I watch an NBA game, I I definitely feel like there's less defense played now than there ever has been. And look, I don't blame these guys. You're playing at this pace that we've never seen in the NBA and what 20 teams are getting in anyway. There is, there is no sense of urgency for any of these teams, to be playing hard defensively on any given night. And no, this, I mean, is, this is why we see once teams get to the playoffs, there are guys like Russell Westbrook, whose game looks completely different in the postseason than it does in the regular season.
1: Charles Barkley, I brought him up like five times, but I just listened to a podcast with him a couple days ago, so he's like fresh on my mind. But he he talked about this. He talked about how like the style of basketball is at the point right now where Teams are just offenses are bailing out defenses because they shoot so many threes that teams don't have to play defense. Like it, right. Because look at it this way. If you're if you're a team or a player, best case scenario, you shoot 50% from three that night. That means that the defense doesn't have to guard you that tightly. And there's a 50-50 shot, you're gonna miss it, and they're gonna get a rebound, and then get back on offense to go try their own three. <laughs> right, exactly. So what's I mean, where's the yeah, those the style and like I think the crowd no, – no crowds this year is definitely, like, exacerbating, like, the lack of effort on defense. But it's gotten to a point where the style of basketball being played offensively is just causing the defense to be bad. Yeah. Because, you know, if a guy decides he's going to try and take a, a shot from the elbow or drive in for a layup, it's kind of hard not to play defense on those guys because they're coming at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're coming into the paint. You want to stop them from getting an easy easier basket, a higher – like percentage shot, but also you might draw fouls. You put the defense in a situation where they they are might get fouled. It's just, I agree. Like I I was enjoying this style of basketball a few years ago, but I think it's gotten to the point where I'm starting to get a little bored of it.
0: I don't well, once I, I don't mind it when we get to the postseason and it's because it slows down. And we yeah, get it's held in basketball. check a little yeah. bit, but yeah, I mean right now it's fun to watch. I think just from a like up and down, lots of shots standpoint but like in terms of just really being engaged and feeling like you're gonna take something away from it, I don't get that at all it's the same
1: narrative every game yeah. like the th- all thirty teams want to play the same style of basketball all every yeah. game every night is essentially gonna have the same formula yeah you know what I mean yeah because like I' feel like fifteen years ago like team a was playing Significantly different style of basketball than Team B. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's just.
0: Imagine in football if they said during the regular season that you weren't allowed to tackle and that nobody was allowed to run the football. So it was just passing, so, and there was no tackling allowed. And then all of a sudden, you do that all season long, and then you get to the postseason, and all of a sudden they're like, "Okay, now you can tackle, and now you can also run the football." And then you're like, "Sounds like this is a completely different thing."
1: Sounds like the Big Twelve a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean think, like think about like it's 2004 and the Suns are playing the Pistons like those are complete opposite styles of basketball and like I, you know like game playing like everything yeah. completely different and it's fun because what's going to happen when seven seconds or less Suns play this like gritty and grindy like defensive minded Pistons and it's fun and, and every, every game is kind of different and matches are different and now it's just kind of Oh, the Suns are playing the Pistons. Well, they're both probably going to shoot 25 threes. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of defense, especially on the perimeter. You know, guys are probably not – It's yeah, it's just the same thing. It doesn't matter who's playing. Right. Like, it's at the point now where the only motivating factor to watch the NBA is, is players. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's uh, – were you the one that gave me the stat about the Suns and where they would rank in today's NBA?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Okay, I'll I'll have to look it up, and I, I don't know. Oh, I you're talking look. about, like, the seven seconds or Suns? Yeah, like, like, they were, like, 15 so threes ma- a game. Yeah, they were so revolutionary back then, and they were so far ahead of the curve back then, but, like, I don't know what the number is, so I don't want to, like, throw any numbers out, but they wouldn't be at the top of the NBA today in, like, points and three-point attempts and, like, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard that throw, that that put out there a few times.
0: Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't even know. I'd have to search for it, but in comparison to like today's teams, uh, but yeah, it's it, but everything we're talking about is also why, like, I think it's funny when you tune into like ESPN this week, you're going to hear every talk show talk about how you know, it, the Nets are doing this amazing thing and their defense isn't going to matter because they're going to keep doing this. And, you know, you hear people talking about how the Lakers are in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's every year we do this. Why do we do this? Every single year, we try to convince ourselves that what we're watching in the regular season is in some way going to help us figure out how the postseason is going to play out when we, we, we understand that they're, they're not the same thing. What is working in this part of the season will not work in two months. Now, maybe you know the Nets are still going to be able to score a bunch of points, but their lack of defense doesn't matter at all in these games. It will matter when they get to the playoffs.
1: Okay, so I've got some numbers for you with that Suns team. So I looked up the 2004-2005 Phoenix Suns numbers. Let's start with this one. So... Defensively, they allowed 103.3 points per game, which was 30th in the NBA. Right now, in 2020-2021, the New York Knicks are allowing the fewest points per game at – you ready for this? 103.8 points per game. They would have had the best defense in the NBA right now. Uh, let's see what else they were shooting. 24 threes a game as a team in two thousand four to two thousand five. Uh, what was the next see. best? Do you have that up? No, okay. I don't have the next okay. best. I could get it, but no, you're good. Let me
0: throw this one out there. ESPN's not uh, not helping me out here. That's insane. That Suns team would be the best defensive team in the NBA this season. And they were dead last then. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that speaks for itself.
1: Uh, all right. Here we go. Just in uh, threes made a game, Utah's making 16 threes a game uh 3s attempted per game this year Oh my god, you ready for this one? Yeah. Utah is shooting 42 threes a game. <laughs> Cleveland, who is shooting the fewest threes a game in the NBA this year, is shooting yeah. 27. The 2004-2005 Suns took 24, 24. a game. 24, yeah. Which I know is the best. I'm I'll look up here to see who the worst was, but
0: Oh god, it's probably like 8 7 Seven or eight attempts a game.
1: Eight, eight point two threes a game by the Clippers. Wow, was the fewest that year. The, look, the fact that the Phoenix Suns would be the best defensive team in the NBA this year is that's mind blowing to me. Like I had heard like the threes per game and all that stuff, but
0: yeah, the offensive really... side of it, yeah,
1: yeah. But I, to think that they would be the best defensive team in the NBA no, it's just insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- we literally joked back then about how they would get out of the way of a player going to the basket so he could get the layup, so that they could right. get the ball quicker out of the net to push it.
1: Right. San Antonio that year allowed eighty-eight points a game. That's <laughs> in the NBA.
0: Yeah. Eighty-eight, 88
1: in three quarters. Oh. Hell, sometimes they got a half now.
0: Yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen multiple games where teams are in the seventies at halftime. Yeah. It's so stupid. That's insane. Ah. So crazy. 103 points. Yeah, I dude, I you know, I I mentioned, you know, the different eras. I remember like in the in the 90s watching Sports Center and like they would be doing the highlights and you know, they would make a big deal about it when they would be like, "Oh, they hit the century mark tonight." <laughs> right. The Bulls right win 101 to 91. Can you believe it they hit the century mark like Look. I I look at all my sports the same.
1: I don't want like offenses to dominate. I don't want defenses to dominate. Like, I want like it's, I want a balance. Yeah. Like, I want a baseball game that's six to five or, you know, five to three or whatever. I want a basketball game that's 102 to 98 or, you know, 105 to 100 or whatever. I want yeah. a football game that's 31 28. I don't want 148 to 140. Like, it's just not, I don't know. It just, it bores me when I know exactly how the game is going to go.
0: Yeah. You just want to know that at least the opponent is capable of stopping. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, I don't mind. That's, that was always the issue. I think with the, you know, like we always had those conversations about big 12 football versus like when there would be shootouts in other leagues or even the NFL for that matter. And the argument was never that anybody hated shootouts the argument was in the big twelve, there were guys that weren't making ta- there were just missed tackles like on every Bad play, and yeah. there was no pass rush and there were blown assignments and not that there weren't some of those things in these other shootouts, but there were signs of good defense at times, and you knew that maybe the other team was capable of getting a sack like that's that's what I think people are asking for when they have those conversations and especially going back to like the the big 12 offensive conversations from like five years ago
1: yeah I think that I think it was the same season but so there was an OU tech game the shootout in Lubbock obviously that everybody remembers but there was also that Rams Chiefs game on Monday night that put up pretty similar numbers yeah Yeah, it was crazy right but both teams had defensive touchdowns I think in that game there were sacks or interceptions or turnovers like it didn't feel like one side of the ball was just completely inept and like, in- like incapable of doing anything positive. Right. They did a lot of bad, obviously, but like, who knows? Like The next play might be the play that Aaron Donald strip sacks, Patrick Mahomes, right. and they score a touchdown. But in that Tech-Oklahoma game, there was no point where anybody with a reasonable mind would think that any player on either defense was about to do anything. You felt
0: like there was at least resistance. The offense right. might have been yes. winning every time, but you felt like there was at least resistance, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, before we run, um, and, and we'll hit this a little heavier maybe next week, but uh, where are you at on all the NFL draft stuff? Are you uh, are you getting geeked out on it yet? Uh, a little bit.
1: I'm still waiting on the Texans to do something. <laughs> like, throw me a bone here. Oh, yeah, throw me a bone so I know who I'm rooting for next year. Yeah. Uh, I did see, though, a rumor that Carolina was – possibly willing to trade Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson, which I mean, go for it. I mean, you're, they ran Christian McCaffrey in the ground yep. for about three years. So about time to, that's, you know, they need to get at, get him out and get all his values at his peak.
0: But I've seen the Deshaun in Carolina Panther uniform, photoshops. They look good.
1: I like that. Yeah. I could be a Panthers fan for sure, but uh, I'm diving in a little bit. Um, not as much as I I I want to, but I mean, if we're going to talk draft, I'll definitely dive in next, like for next week's episode. Yeah, we'll like,
0: we'll, we'll hit it next week for sure. Yeah,
1: I, I you know I love mock drafts, and I love looking into that stuff, and we're going to do like a said, couple the, too. Yeah, so, the NBA yeah. hasn't like excite me right isn't exciting me right now, and baseball's still far away. So I'm still in football mode. I still yeah. haven't completely exited football mode, but yeah, it's uh I think it's gonna be a fun draft though. I I, I don't think that. uh it's necessarily top heavy as like last year's was Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or, you know, a couple of years. Like I don't, after one, like I could see it going anyway. I I think Justin Fields should probably go two to the jets, but I can see them taking a tackle.
0: I don't think they're going to take him. Uh, Everything is kind of pointing toward them either staying with Darnold or a lot of reports that Zach Wilson would be the guy if they went quarterback, which I think is a massive mistake, but uh, I agree. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because, you and I are both draft guys. I think evalu- evaluating this class is maybe harder than it's ever been. Number one, because, I mean, half the guys in the top 50, I say half, it's probably not that much, but there are a decent handful of the guys in the top 50 that didn't even play this season. Yeah, Jamar are- Chase, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jamar Chase. Top yeah. 10 guy. Greg Rousseau yeah. from Miami. I mean, there- yeah, there's a-, a slew of them. Sewell from Oregon. That's three guys that are you know projected to go in the top 15 to 20. Uh Sewell and Chase are top ten top projections. 10, yeah. yeah. Um so, so that on its own, I think, makes it difficult. Then you have another group of players who, you know, like Justin Fields, for example, may have only played a handful of games. And then I think there's also the underlying thought that, I mean, for, for the guys that did play, who were they playing? Right. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> It's, a, know, it's, it's
1: definitely coming off a, a very weird college season. Where, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to evaluate some dudes, like especially those Big Ten guys. Like, yeah, you have an entire conference where they play five games, and they and some some teams were playing one. Like, they would be off for three weeks, right? Because of you know cancellations or whatever. And like, I mean, how do you really evaluate a dude that? I, you know, sat for a month. It didn't play a game, and then just going out and playing a game when it's 15 degrees outside. You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: yeah, it's tough. It's
1: it makes it a lot tougher to evaluate. I think the combine's probably going to hold even more stock this year with those workouts. With um, yeah, it, it. I'm interested. I hope that. Uh, I hope they're able to have an in-person draft, though. I, the The virtual draft last year, I, I don't know. It didn't vibe with me. I just, I couldn't. I didn't find it as entertaining, but. Yeah, it, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, we know who's going one after that. Who knows? Yeah, I think like you said, Sewell's if the Jets don't take a quarterback, they're obviously taking Sewell.
0: I would think so. I don't know what I don't. There's not another guy that I think makes any sense at all there. And they're but, so
1: bad. They need to build something. Yeah. Like, they need to build a foundation. Yeah, so. I
0: mean, if you're going to, you know, they got Becton last year. Why not add? I mean, to, to have potentially be, yeah. two they, all pro type tackles. Right. It's never been a bad thing for an organization in the history of football.
1: <laughs> Which, if their plan is to, I mean, it makes sense. If their plan is to give Donald one more year, you need to put him behind a good offensive line. So taking Sewell could potentially show you what Donald could do behind a decent offensive line if Sewell's good. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. I love the NFL draft. It's by far the best draft because the NBA draft, once you get past pick five, who cares?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you're, well, the difference is you're just not finding, Guys that are going to for sure be players like you're not like how many guys in last year's NBA draft. If you just tuned in regularly to the NBA, are you going to watch play consistently?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, five or six, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And they could be sprinkled anywhere in that draft. You could be right. pick 20. That guy just happens to be on the right situation and be able to get in the rotation consistently. And then meanwhile, pick seven just like, yeah, like Anthony Edwards is I've, I've watched a little bit. He's not that good yet.
0: Right. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah it's a numbers thing. Yet. There's just, you know, there's not as many opportunities teams are, you know, you don't have as many spots. Uh, whereas with football, I mean, basically if you're a top 100 pick in the NFL, you're expected to be a starter. For sure. Yeah. Like you could be the number one pick in the draft and it's not even a guarantee necessarily. I mean, you should be, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more positions to fill. So like you said, yeah, if you're, yeah picked in the top 100, you're picking the first two and a half to three rounds, you're probably feeling a need that that team desperately needs to fill. so, like, your opportunity to become a starter is wide open because they, I mean, obviously, they drafted you for a reason, but...
0: Yeah. yeah also, this is, I, PFF it, it, has it, a I, uh, draft simulator. I don't know if you've done this. I haven't. So, look up or I'll send you the link. Actually, I'll tweet it for those that, that are watching or listening to this. I'll tweet it out when we uh, when we do this, but... Um, they have a draft simulator where you can pick like the team you want to draft for. And there are different settings that you can like change as far as like the randomness of how the other teams pick or like making other pick other teams pick more for like positions of need. And like, so you can kind of mess with it a little bit, but uh, Mm -hmm. you get to draft all the slots, all seven rounds for the team that you choose. And it's pretty cool. That sounds pretty fun. Is it free? So is it a free PFF feature? Yeah, yeah, free PFF. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, you don't Figure get the, the full player breakdowns when you're trying to decide maybe between, like, two defensive wow. ends in the fifth round. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's, right. it's it's fun. It's I'll a good way out. to waste some – if you're just going to be sitting on the couch, like, halfway paying attention to an NBA game, then you can pull up the PFF draft simulator and, and draft for a couple teams.
1: Is there a setting where I can set the Houston Texans to trade all their draft picks for –
0: Yes. You can uh, trade picks
1: an average tackle. Oh, perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's actually how I, 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 I didn't realize they had this thing. And then like a week ago, one of my friends, that's a Cowboys fan screenshotted cause at the end they show you like all of your draft picks. Great. He yeah. screenshotted what he did for Dallas and there were like 20 picks and he basically <laughs> traded out of every single pick he had and got more traded back. Yeah. yeah. And so he ended up with like 20 draft picks or something, just completely ignorant. But uh, I thought it was uh, Bill I it was Belichick cool.
1: style of drafting.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it was it was a lot of fun. Like I started playing with it and then next thing I knew I was, you know, I started it at like eleven thirty at night, and next thing I knew I'd done like four or five of them and it was like three in the morning. So
1: Okay. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm about to go draft uh seven quarterbacks for the Texans.
0: There you go. One of them's got a yeah. hit, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it's good odds. Yeah, yeah. Force the competition. Competition never hurt anybody. No. Yeah. All right, buddy. Always fun, my friend. Uh, we will catch up again next week. Like I said, we'll do uh, we'll do some NFL draft stuff uh, next Wednesday.
1: All right, I'll do. Uh, I'll put my Mel Kiper hat on and do some research. Very
0: nice, very nice. I expect yeah. some sort of uh, exquisite draft background. <laughs> well, when we do this, well, we'll see. All right. All right. See you, <laughs> buddy. Thanks to Aaron Davis for joining me on today's Colby Daniels podcast, which is presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. They have kratom. CBD and Delta eight. You can order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby show to save 15% off your online order. Uh, again, you can order online. It's very efficient and they have a drive-through. I was there today. You can swing through the drive-through, pick up your order that way. So it's very safe and efficient. So again, check them out, save 15% and go to abotanicalcompany.com. All right, everybody stay safe. Have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow.